And for most of us, God has given us the verbal ability to speak. There are those who are unfortunate who have uh, not been able to speak, some from birth. But yet they can still communicate. So an idea, a thought, has to be communicated in order for it to be known. A word is both the revelation and an expression of an idea. So in the sense, when we look at Christ being the word, in the flesh he is the expression of all that deity contains. It was a temporary thing for him to come to this earth. It was not permanent for him to uh, be here and to live a number of years as most of us have the opportunity to do because he was foreordained to go to the cross for humanity. So that meant that his life had already been determined in length of time upon this earth. So we see that Christ became known as the Word. Christ is in His existence of the Word, all that is known in the Godhead. He is God in the flesh. And when we look at a biblical definition of the Word, oftentimes the word logos or logos uh, is used, which means, and it is a Greek word, uh, using these passages means the instrument or force behind the words spoken. As I mentioned this morning, God spoke into existence all that we have, all that we see, all that we God spoke those things into existence. Christ is God's instrument to communicate to mankind the things that man needed to know in the spiritual realm person might say, well, wait, Christ didn't come right away. So how could he be God's way to communicate to man? And we'll get to that a little bit later on in the lesson. But Christ is God's instrument to communicate to man. And in John eight twenty eight, John writes, Then said Jesus unto them, Ye have lifted... Uh, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Christ was not here to do His will. He was here to do the will of the Father, and He did that by speaking the things that God wanted Him to speak. Now, it's a little bit confusing sometimes when we talk about God as compared to the Godhead. But they're all the same. Because they all agree with one another. They're all of the same divine nature. But Christ says he came to speak the things of God. John twelve forty nine. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. So Christ was, we say, and the Bible says that, and Jesus said that he came to do the will of the Father. Well, actually, that was also the will of Christ. Because they don't disagree with one another. They're in harmony with one another. So it's from these passages, we can see that God's Word existed before and became flesh. 
for the benefit of mankind. Before Christ became flesh, He was divine. Jehovah Witnesses teach that Christ was created and that He did not exist until God created Him. As I was having a discussion with a couple of Jehovah Witnesses one time, I brought up some of these verses that we'll look at tonight that talk about Christ existing before coming to the earth in a fleshly body. And their response was, well, He was there in promise. He wasn't actually there, it was just a promise God made. Well, the Bible speaks differently concerning that belief. As we've already mentioned, the term, in the beginning, shows an eternal, an eternal state. That He existed before the earth was created. There, Christ talked about before the foundation of the world, being ordained before the foundation of the world. And yet, when we look at in the beginning, we see that it is eternal. And if He's eternal, He's divine. All of deity is divine. Jesus Himself said, talking about His own pre-existence, and this is probably one of the best verses I, I can think of in Scripture to help people understand that Jesus did exist before coming to this earth. John 17, 5. Now listen to this. It's very simple. And it's unfortunate that people are so steeped in their own belief that they ignore such simple passages as John 17, 5. You know, John 17 is the chapter where Jesus is, is praying. He's, he's there with His disciples. He's praying. Uh, tremendous chapter on prayer. He says, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Now, how can you misunderstand that? Unless you've been so programmed to believe a certain thing that you'll never see it. Like Mark 16, 15 and 16. People have been so programmed in their beliefs that they miss baptism in that verse which mentions the word baptism. <laughs> but Jesus says it once and for all right here. This should settle it. There should never be any discussion about whether Christ really existed or not. Now I know those who are of the Christian world, I use that term loosely, do not believe that doctrine that Christ was created. The majority of the people understand that Christ was uh, in existence before coming to this earth. But this verse right here settles it. I don't think you could get any simpler than this verse. He goes on to say, as recorded in John seventeen twenty four, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou, hast, uh, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now let's back up a little bit in that verse. Notice what he says, that they may behold my glory. Let's go back to 17.5. Glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory 
that I had with thee before the world was. So, Christ is speaking of his own pre-existence. He is saying, I was there from the beginning. I had glory when I was there. And of course, we, and especially those that were there with Christ when he was uh, born, lived his life, and crucified, they saw that glory in the flesh. As John says in John 1, verse 14, we beheld his glory. So, we see the divinity or the divine nature of Christ. His existence is not determined by time. We have a concept of time because that's the only way we can keep up with things. But we know that the spirit realm does not have that time frame. So before God created the earth and humanity, there was no time frame whatsoever. What does Peter say in dealing with the concept of time when it uh, uh, is concerned with God? A thousand day, uh, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. All that says is that God has no time frame. It's not meant to be taken literally as far as, okay, one day is with the Lord a, a, a thousand years. That's not, it's not a literal figure of speech. But we know that Christ's existence was not determined by time, and is not determined by time, I should say. He was the Word before and after He became flesh because it was God's eternal plan for Christ to be the Savior. Therefore, being the eternal plan, He was the Word before He became the Word in the flesh. Therefore, being with God means He is co-eternal. In other words, He's eternal with the Holy Spirit and God. The Godhead being eternal. As Christ talked about his relationship with God, as he made the statement while on earth, I and my Father are one. If God is divine, then Christ is divine. You cannot separate the two. As you cannot separate the church from Christ. As some people try to do, you know, in their religious beliefs and understandings, they try to separate Christ and the church. Of course, we know that really the church that they understand is the denominational church. They don't understand the true church. So therefore, they can separate a denominational church. They, can, they don't know how to make that connection for the true church because they don't understand the true church. Continuing in his prayer, and it's recorded for us in John, the 17th chapter, verses 20 and 21, Jesus says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Talking about the apostles going out preaching. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Once again, Christ showing that connection. 
And when he says that the Father is in him and he is in the Father, he is not talking about the sense that they are in us. People talk about the God dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. It's different with the Father and Christ. With us, they dwell through the Word in us, in our hearts and in our minds. But with one another, they are in each other because they are of the Godhead, the only Godhead, the divine Godhead. They cannot be separated. Another thing is the fact that before He became flesh, He was the agent of creation. Now, this is another point that we can make to those who say that Christ was a created being. If you'll notice the third chapter of John, first chapter, verse 3, all things were made by Him. And you can substitute created for made because that's the same thing. And without Him was not anything made that was made. If He's a created being, then He created Himself. That's an impossibility. Christ did not create Himself because He was not a created being. But it very, very plainly teaches the fact that Christ was a creating agent in all that we have, all that we see, all that will ever be. Christ is the creating agent. He created the universe. Notice what the Hebrew writer, Hebrews writer tells us in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in, the, in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So we see Christ being involved in the creation of all that we have. The Hebrew word for God in Genesis 1.1 is the plural form denoting the Godhead. Showing now the Godhead was involved in the creation. Christ being a member of the Godhead shows that he was in the creating process. Being a member of the Godhead. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We see the Holy Spirit being involved in creation. We have the whole Godhead involved in creation. Another connecting verse for Christ and God and the Godhead is in Colossians 1, 14 through 17. Actually, a few verses here. As Paul writes, notice what Paul says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God. Notice that. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven, 
and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. This verse is, is very informative about the creating agent and the Godhead. One problem or one verse that the Jehovah Witnesses get tripped up on is right here. When we look at the word firstborn, see, they take that to mean firstborn as a child in a family. That's not what this means. We look at some other examples of firstborn, the word firstborn in Scripture. This word customarily means to indicate first in a series or simply rank. First in rank and not necessarily birth order. For example, Psalm eighty-nine twenty-seven. David was called God's firstborn. I don't know about you, but I don't think David was the firstborn of anything as far as humanity. He wasn't the first king. He wasn't the first person created. He wasn't even the firstborn in his family. So we can see that this word firstborn does not necessarily mean firstborn in the first being born of any human. Usually what this word can mean is having, and what this verse means is having preeminence. Christ is to have preeminence over everything. But yet the verse is misunderstood to help form and promote a doctrine that is anti-biblical. But we know that Christ worked also in the Old Testament. This goes back to what I said a little earlier about someone may say, well, how did Christ communicate for all mankind God's Word when He didn't come into being until around the first of the first century, I guess, as I, in A.D. when, you know, Actually, he was born about 3 or 4 B.C. Well, I'm not the smartest person when it comes to math. But I can tell you that Christ did not come into existence physically, humanly, for a few thousand years of humanity already until a few years of humanity had existed on this earth. So how did Christ communicate to those before he was born? Well, we have some verses that help us to understand that. And the fact that Christ was there from the beginning, being part of the Godhead. He was there through prophets, prophets such, like, such as Moses, Peter says for us in 1 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11, 
of which salvation the prophets, having inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So we see that it was in the prophets. Christ came through the prophets. What about when Peter says that Christ went and preached to the souls in prison? How was that done? Well, it was done through Noah. Because Christ preached through Noah. So therefore, Christ was communicating God's word to humanity through Noah. Just as he did Moses and the other prophets. So Christ is the one who communicates God's word through humanity. And we see through the Old Testament, we can go back and read Daniel. Uh, there, there are just so many verses in the Old Testament. Uh, we certainly wouldn't have time to go over them tonight, but you understand that the Scriptures do teach that Christ was in the Old Testament. And Moses, remember the rock? You know, Moses had to strike the rock for water. and Well, Christ was the rock. And he was the mouthpiece through those people to humanity. These are just a few of the things that we can look at about the pre-fleshly existence of Christ. Not only the fact that he existed before things were created, but that he was part of the Godhead. That he was not on his own. That he didn't do things on his own. He did things as a member of the Godhead. It once again shows us the fact of God's eternal purpose for all things. The church was an eternal purpose, or in the eternal purpose of God. It is God's purpose to provide man a way to be reconciled to him again. It is sad that there are those who teach that the church was an afterthought because the Jews rejected Christ. Well, what that says is, is God was not prepared. That God got taken by surprise, so he had to come up with something else, and so he came up with the church. That is a sad way to look at God's saving institution, which is the church. God has instituted the church for the saved. For the people who are looking at salvation, those who have obeyed God's word, to be in the church. Acts 2.47, and God added to the church daily such as should be saved. But Christ died so that church could exist. One of the reasons that Christ did come is to give us that opportunity to be a member of the body of Christ, the church. John 1.14 tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The purpose was to go to that cross and die for our sins. No second, no uh, plan B, no afterthought. That was from the beginning. And that is why that Christ became flesh. The Hebrew writer tells us that God prepared a body so that Christ could do that. Christ being a spirit, you know, God is a spirit. Godhead consists of three spirits, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You can't put a spirit on a cross, so therefore God had to create a body in order to accomplish that. 
So Christ, one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, was to open up the doors of the church once established by His blood that we may enter it through obedience so that we could have eternal salvation when it is all said and done. My question tonight is, are you a member of the body of Christ that already exists? Because if you're not and you don't choose to become a member of the body of Christ, Christ died in vain on your part. And I'm sure you don't want that on your conscience. But we should obey God because of the love for God and what He has done. If you're here tonight needing to obey the gospel, hearing the word of God, believing Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ publicly, and being baptized for the remission of your sins, that will allow you to become a child of God placed in the church where the saved are and to remain faithful. We encourage you to do that tonight. As a child of God, if your life has not reflected that of a child of God or if you've been unfaithful, been away from God, you know you can take this time now, if it's been in a public way, to straighten your life out publicly. But we pray that you'll come as we stand and sing.